Um, just, you know, when, when I first said yes to God, I didn't ever conceive in my heart that I would be in a war zone where there's bombs going off around me. I never thought I'd be in a pub in Italy. I'd never be in an in a, in a underground pub in France where on the, on the stage is a statue of Satan. I never ever d- dreamed I'd be in Diamond Springs, California. <laughs> All the, all the way from Taronga, New Zealand. Lift up your hands if you know where Taronga, New Zealand is. All right, we know two people over there. And so the year has been incredible. We've just seen God move. It's, it's just so important that all of us understand that we're here to be equipped to go and do something somewhere. And God, God, is, God has put everything in you and I to do what we need to do. And so uh, all over the globe, we've seen incredible things in uh, Europe. We've seen all, all over my home country, we saw an amazing move of God. There's a massive earth, earthquake in New Zealand. How many heard of the earthquake? 7.8. We were, we were 60 kilometers from the epicenter. The whole house shook like mad. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely incredible. But in the midst of that, God protected us. God looked after us. In the midst of the war, God protected us and God looked after us. Point is this. All of us have some something to do. And, and at times it's not easy. It is difficult. But in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the war, God truly does bring peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Comforter. And so we've seen amazing things in this, in this clip. is going to share just a little bit about what we've seen all over the globe. We love you. Thank you for all your support. We love your pastor, pastors. <laughs> and uh, son, incredible. Uh, just so honored to be heart to heart people. Amen. Chains have been broken. The walls have come down. Make a joyful sound. Make it. So here we are on the front in Ukraine. tour for 2016. We've had a fantastic time here in Europe and um, looking forward to next time around. Thank you for all your prayer, all your support. You guys are amazing. 
The Bible said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's so many things we can be drunk on in this world. Some of us, we're drunk on our jobs. We're drunk on our houses. We're drunk on our cars. We're drunk on our sports team. We're drunk on our cat. We're drunk on our dog. There's so many things in this world to be drunk on. And in the Christian community, there's this thing called brand Jesus and there is the person of Jesus. Many of us are consumed with the brand when we were made to be filled with the person. And you and I will never be wondering why I'm miserable. I go to church on Sunday, I'm still miserable. I go home and I'm miserable. I can make me happy for half an hour, but I go home and I'm missed. Listen to me. You and I were made to be filled with the person of Jesus. This is a passion in my heart and uh, just seeking the Lord and just in this Exodus season that we have, um, just believing God for Exodus, the coming out. And it applies in so many ways. It's not just to our church moving out of this building and getting a new facility, but it implies in so many ways to every one of our lives. God wants you to live by the principle of Exodus. And that just means that you don't stay in bondage. It's not God's will that His people would remain in any place of bondage or servitude, but that we would be a free people and living in the promise that He has declared over our life. How many could agree? And so this morning, I just, in all this week, I've just been meditating on it. <clears throat> and even it started, <clears throat> excuse me, last week, uh, prior to going down to preach uh, for Pastor Mark down at Generations Church in their new facility, that God gave them a casino. Maybe Red Hawk could go out and they'd just give that to us, praise the Lord. And uh, who knows? But uh, anyway, but, but they have a little card room. It's called Casino Royale. And uh, it used to be, it's on uh, Business 80 and Marconi there, downtown Sac. But they redeemed that and they were able to put in about a 250-seat sanctuary, what used to be the card room there and that. And so I, I post a little picture on redemption because you have the casino sign up there. They haven't raised the $17,000 that it would take to replace that sign. And, uh, but then they have their little sign underneath. But praise the Lord, uh, God gave them a great facility. We had a great time. But this began stirring in my heart on the power of the redeeming, the, the redeeming power of the cross and for us to know that. And that's what Exodus is all about, that through the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have this great promise of redemption. And let me just say to you that, you know, we, we hear a lot about, <clears throat> excuse me, all faith and, and, and coming together and doing all that stuff. But let me just say that, that, that this isn't about religion. This is about relationship. Amen. Jesus did not come to, to establish the religion of Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with the living God. God created man, not so man could have a form of, uh, of, of interaction with Him. God created man to walk with Him and to have fellowship with, to be personally and intimately connected to His Creator, that you and I would be one with the Father. Amen? That's what we were created for. We were created for fellowship with God, not, not, not to have a, just religion in that area. And so in that, it's so important that when it comes to Christianity, that there's one thing that really distinguishes us from any other faith. We are the one faith that has a cross. We are the only faith in all of religion that has a cross. And that cross is so powerful because it declares that the God who said He loved us, loved us enough to die for our freedom. 
that God became man so He could die for His creation, so His creation would not perish, but we could have everlasting life, that we could be reunited and restored in relationship with Him. That's what sets Christianity and Christ apart from every other faith and every other religion. People are free to believe whatever they have, but last time I checked, Buddha didn't die for anybody. Last time I checked, Muhammad didn't die for anybody. Last time I checked, Hare Krishna just trying to get five bucks at the airport. Some of you remember those days. Amen. So anyway, but all those faiths and all those religions, there's only one faith that has a God and a Savior that chose to die that you might live, and that's Christianity. Amen? And so in that, the cross is such a statement of power, and it is the declaration of our redemption. Look at the cover of your outline. There is a need for the peace of God in our lives today. And Jesus left this with the promise of His peace in our life. In John chapter 4, i got several scriptures. I have some other I'm going to read, but I put these there so you can go back and read. But Jesus says, I'm leaving my peace with you. Not the peace that the world gives, but I'm giving you my peace. Amen? Father, this morning I thank you in these next few brief moments, Lord, that you will anoint me to speak with clarity, with truth. Father, we thank you. You truly, we believe with all our hearts, you loved us so much, you gave your son to die for us, that we would believe on him, and believing in him, we would have everlasting life. You took our sin, you took our shame, you took our pain, our guilt, our path, and you placed it upon your son, nailing it to his cross, so that we might be saved free. We thank you today for the redeeming power of the cross. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So look down a little bit further with me. In a day when everything that can be shaken seems that if it is being shaken. Man, I look at our society today, we we, we are like, you know, uh, just a nation gone stupid on itself. Amen, it doesn't matter, and people just reacting, the reaction to people are just over the top, and we're doing this crazy thing where if there's somebody in any group that does anything wrong, we throw this blanket of condemnation upon the whole group. And we blame all for the actions of one, and this thing is snowballing, and it's moving into every area and every aspect, and so there's crazy thing, but at this time, we're seeing that it seems like everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that's a time that we need the peace of God in our life. Today we need the peace of God to rule in our heart. Jesus said this in John 14 and verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And believing in God means, you know what? I believe it. Everything that he said, it settles it. Somewhere along the line, you take the word of God. You said, I believe this is God's word. I believe it's his word to me. I believe it's the truth. I believe it's exalted his word even above his name. And forever his word is settled in heaven. That's good enough for me. It's done. I believe. I receive in Jesus name and you'll move past the place where God has to continually prove himself to you you'll just have it settled because the Bible says the just shall live by faith and faith is that steadfast confident assurance in God so hear me this morning Jesus didn't just come for us to be able to have things God is bigger than you having nice stuff He didn't just come for you to have things. Think about it. He came and gave His life upon the cross so that we could have Him. 
and the Father and the Holy Ghost as the true possession of our life and to live free from our past. Jesus came so you could have the Father. This is what I said. Whoever has the Father has the Son. And whoever has the Son has the Father. And then besides that, I'm going to go to heaven and be received by my Father. I'm going to receive the promise. And you're going to get the Holy Ghost too. You get kind of three in one package. Hallelujah. All of God. But He came so that God would be your possession in life. Think about it. And that we could live free from our past. These are the days when we need to be sure that we have made the Lord our refuge and our habitation. I'm excited about some of the things I hear happening since the election. But you know what? Politicians are not my answer. A businessman getting elected president isn't my answer. My answer and my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for our president. I thank God He's got some godly people and people standing for convictions and standing for righteousness and truth and for the foundation of our nation. But come on, if there's going to be a change in our nation, it's going to begin in the two square feet that you possess everywhere you are. It begins with you. It doesn't begin with everybody else changing. It begins with you and I say, hey, wait a minute. I believe I can be a person of influence. I believe that God lives in me. I believe that I'm anointed with the Holy Ghost. I believe that God has purpose for my life. And I can bring influence into my generation. When God's people begin to think like that, change begins to happen. And you know what? It's one thing to pray for revival. It's one to say, God, move in the earth. But it's another thing, God, and you start praying for revival and you draw that little circle around yourself and you say, God, let it start right here with me. And then let it move out from here. Amen. Look inside your outline, if you would. I, I, I encourage you, go home and read Psalms 92, verses 9 through 16, and see what it declared about making the Lord your refuge and your habitation, and begin to rest in the finished work of God. Amen? Watch this. Look at the inside of your outline. I just need to interject this about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the promise of the Father, and His work Excuse me, his work in our life comes in a variety of ways. There's a little list here, it's not conclusive, but I want you to see what happened when Jesus said, It's expedient for you that I go away. If I don't go, he won't come, but if I go, the helper will come. And so, with the Holy Spirit coming to you and I, we are now born of the Spirit, we are baptized by the Spirit, we are baptized with the Spirit, and in the Spirit, we can be and are to be filled with the Spirit. We are given gifts by the Spirit according to His will. He is to be our leader, our teacher, and our guide. He is to be a river of living water flowing out of our lives. And we are to pray with, by, through, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen? He is here as our aid. Think about it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, and He is in the earth today just as Jesus it just in just the same manner as Christ was in his day. Or the Holy Spirit here is in manifest presence. And his presence, the manifestation of the Spirit, is as real as the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we could ever cross that bridge by faith and believe in the presence of God in our life and accept it and wrap our faith around it, we'd see greater move of God in our personal life and in our church. Could you say amen? Because he's here in manifest presence. Jesus was here. John, 1 John 1 and verse 3, 8, it, chapter 3 and verse 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
And so Jesus was manifest for the purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And the Holy Spirit is manifest in our life. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, The manifestation of the Spirit has been given to every man to profit with all. So God manifests Himself on purpose and for purpose. Could you say amen? That's how He works in our life. But think about it. The number one work of the devil is to diminish His effectiveness in the lives of God's people as much as He can. He works to bring clouds of confusion and doubt and and questioning around the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why would He do that? Because the devil is the great discreditor. He did all he could to discredit the ministry of Jesus, and he's doing the same today when it comes to the Holy Spirit. All these years, Pastor, I get everybody to get side. Oh, let's talk about the Father, let's talk about the Son, but you know, let's let the Holy Ghost sit over here. Let the Holy, but the Holy Spirit is God's chosen expression of Himself in the earth today. God is in the earth by His Spirit. Amen. And He's fully here today by His Spirit. Think about it. The Spirit's ministry is to reveal Christ to us and all that is ours in Christ. Jesus said in John 16, we're going to read some other passages while I'm not reading these, but in John 16 He said, when He goes, I have more to say to you, but you can't hear it now, but when He comes, everything that I've received from the Father, He's going to show it to you. How many of the devil doesn't, how many know the devil doesn't want you to know that? The devil doesn't want you to know and to hear anything about everything that Christ has received from the Father that has now been released to us. He doesn't want you to hear that. Why is that? Because when you know that, that is your victory over Him because of the cross. See, everything because of the cross and the power of redemption in the cross, everything that the Father has has been given to the Son and has now been released for you and I to walk in that. But he'd rather have us have doubt and have fear and have questions. I don't know. If I just knew the one thing, he wants me to save soul. If you never know anything else, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. It's to bring somebody else to Christ. That's it. If he never told you anything else, spend the rest of your life not going to heaven alone. In fact, I think there ought to be a prerequisite. Nobody gets in alone. If I'd have been God, I'd have given you a number. You, 45. You, 385 million. You, one. You, 15. You, because, because everybody has a different assignment. But, but, but I believe it's the will of God. Nobody goes to heaven alone. I just don't know God's will for my His will is lost people. It'll never change. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and you are now His body in the earth, and your life needs to be connected to lost people coming to Christ. Could you say amen? But the devil will lie to you and tell you you can't do it, and he'll keep you because he knows that you have authority over him, and you actually have the authority to lead people to Christ, to bring them out of bondage. Amen? May we be so moved and set free by the power of the, of the cross of Christ that we would move from this place today changed by the glory of God. That's my prayer. I'm praying in these next few moments that God imparts something to you about the redeeming power of the cross that moves you from your status quo. Amen.
Think about it. The glory of God is more than a cloud or an emotional experience for believers to soak in. I've heard a lot about that today in different movements. People are just going in, in, into me and they're having soaking meeting and the glory coming in and they're seeing clouds. Wonderful. Let me just tell you, the greatest expression of the glory of God was the cross on Calvary's hill. And if you want to shrink it down to a little crowd in a room and some little mood music and call that soaking in the glory, I think we brought God down to an emotional level when God is into a world saving and a world changing level of His glory. Never let your thoughts of God God or your image of God diminish him down to just an emotional experience in your life. God wants to break through in your life. Think about it. It is an act performed amongst men that only God can receive the credit for. The cross was the greatest display of his glory. And his glory is to be in this place. Could you say amen? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. The power of the cross is still the same today. Say this with me, nailed to the cross. You need to be able to say that to the devil when he brings up your past. Say, you're right, I have a past, but it's been nailed to the cross. You're right, I made some mistakes and I made bad decisions, but they've been nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 2, and look with me if you would at verse 11. In Him... You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hand by putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him. Amen. You're alive. If you're born again, you're alive in Christ. Somebody ought to shout amen. Think about that. Made you together alive with Him, having forgiven what? All your trespasses. Look at verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Wow. And look at this, verse 15. And having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now I have to interject this because the Holy Spirit quickened it to my mind in first service. But quickly, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 10. See, here's the deal. The cross is the declaration of your victory over all the power of the enemy. He triumphed over principalities and power. The armies of hell that have been set in stratagem against you and war against you, they are already defeated because of the redeeming power of the cross. The problem is, is we don't know no, we've already won. And so we're fighting like the adversary is greater than the one who is with us. When the truth is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world against you. Look at this. And I don't have time to read it all, but I want to just read a couple verses. Because what happened is the Amorites came out against Israel and they had this great battle and Joshua goes down in the valley and he says, sun stand still and God stops the sun and, and, and God gives him a victory while they whip up on these guys. And then in the middle of that battle, the five kings that came out against them run and hide in a cave. And Joshua is told, man, they're in that cave. And Joshua says, roll the stone over it and keep them in there. And, and, and we'll hold them there. Now go out and finish whooping Heine. Go out and keep kicking the devil's 
Heine. Go out and whoop them all. And then when they got done beating on them, he says, all right, come back. And he says, now open the stone. Now, now open the cave and bring them out. And, and look at verse 22, Joshua 10 and verse 22. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so. And he brought out those five kings to him from the cave. And the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmah, the king of Lasha, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with them, Come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their neck. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus says the Lord, You will do this. For thus says the Lord, will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Jesus said, Jesus says this, He sent us out, and He says, I'm sending you out in power and authority. Go in my name with power and authority, and I give you power over all the power of the enemy. He said, you will tread upon serpents and scorpions. Come on, the devil is under your feet. You need to see yourself with your foot on the devil's neck and know that the Lord is fighting for you. Why? Because of the redeeming power of the cross, and everything that held you back has now been nailed to the cross, and He triumphed over principalities and power. Shout amen somebody. Glory to God. Now watch this. Are you doing all right? I'm just getting started. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 53. We read it at Christmas. We read it at Easter. We do that. But when's the last time you really read Isaiah 53? See, Isaiah 53 boldly declares that every wound, bruise, and stripe which he bore was so that he might vicariously take upon himself all that was against us. Listen to it as we read through Isaiah 53 this morning. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we did not esteem Him. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed Him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And get this, the chastisement for our peace was upon Him. What is that saying? That what I just read. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. And so the declaration that we can, because He was chastised, because He endured all this, we have the ability to live in peace. His, what He endured, brought us to the place of being able to live in peace. Hallelujah. Think about that. And by His stripes, we are healed. Amen. We are healed by what He endured. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid upon Him 
the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Get this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grieve. When you make his soul an offering for sin. There's a reason I live and give the way I do. Because of that statement right there. His, his life made an offering for me. How could I not honor God with some money? Exactly. Oh my goodness. Amen. He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in him. Verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. That means the father seeing the travail of his son and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. And he has, was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. Somebody ought to give God a praise in the house this morning. Come on. Thank him for it. Amen. So think about it. When you look at that, what did that just declare? It declared this, that every pain, every failure, every rejection, every abuse, every abandonment, every injustice, every uh, uh, addiction, every abortion, every disease, and every lie, He took them all to the cross. Right. Amen? And along with every other act of sin and immorality committed upon all of humanity, it was nailed to the cross. So Jesus going there, when you read Isaiah 53, you hear about the cross and you hear about the nail and everything listed in there. That's what was waiting. It was there ready to be nailed to the cross. Look at the next page of your outline. There is nothing you can name, blame, or claim as an excuse for the failure and the pain in your life that was not nailed to the cross. Nothing was left out. We are the, we, we are the nation of excuses. Well, you just don't know my story. I don't care about your story. Let me tell you about a cross. Amen. Come on, everybody has a back story. Everybody has an excuse. Everybody has, has pain. Everybody's experienced failure. Everybody came from a dysfunctional home. There is no such thing as a functional home. Unless you have no children. You interject small people into two people's lives... Sanity is gone. And then if you multiply that number, it just proves sanity is gone. Amen. But think about it. Think about it. See, it doesn't matter if he did it, she did it, they did it, life did it, or you did it. It doesn't matter if it was done to you or by you. It was nailed to the cross. We're talking about the redeeming power of the cross. 
And for you and I to move forward when God brings us to an exodus, He's saying, I understand all of that, but did you ever hear about the cross? Yeah, no, no, you're not the nation who was bound in slavery for 400 years, but in your life there was a place of slavery and a place of bondage, and I came and I have delivered you. I sent you a Joshua. His name is Jesus. Amen. And he came to bring you out. And he came to bring you in. And if you can receive the truth that you have been delivered out of slavery. And I don't care how you got there. What got you there. The truth is all of that was nailed to the cross. And you are now free in Christ Jesus. See our pain can be. If our pain can be connected to a person. So can our healing. If you can look back at your life. And say it was because of this. It was because of that. If you, if you go back and read the story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth when they heard about the death of his father. The, the, the caretaker ran with him and dropped him. And his hip was broke. And he was dropped by the person who was supposed to care for him. And so he blamed his pain. He blamed everything on David. And he was blaming somebody else. But the person he was blaming was the one who came to redeeming and for too long we've been crying out to God God why have you allowed this to happen I don't understand this sickness I don't understand this disease I don't understand this failure I don't understand and we're blaming our answer for the problem when the one that we're blaming is our redeemer hallelujah so think about it it could have been a parent a friend a relative, a boss, a co-worker, a teacher, a preacher, or a perfect stranger. But let me tell you, it was nailed to the cross. See, sometimes we, we, we just paint too nice a picture. We have all the pictures of a laughing Jesus. I think we need to carry somewhere in our life, maybe you need to make a screensaver on your phone of the crucified Christ. Because when you look at the crucified Christ, you realize how much he paid for you to be free. And you'll never let the devil speak a lie to you again that brings you into bondage. Because now we don't just have nails and a piece of wood. We have the one it was nailed to. And that's my Savior who was nailed to a cross. That's my Savior who was beaten beyond recognition. And devil, you're a liar to tell me my past has me hindered. To tell me that I can't move forward. You're a liar because my God died on a cross for me and set me free. I live by the redeeming power of the cross of Christ. Shout amen somebody. Hallelujah. Think about it today. What pain in your life has blinded your eyes to the love of the cross? Matthew 8, it says that they brought him the sick and the lame and he himself, Jesus healed them and it says he was fulfilling Isaiah, when it says he himself bore our infirmities and carried our grief, the implication is while Jesus was healing, he was taking it from them and carrying it hid himself. He was said, here I will take that from you and I'm going to take it all the way to the cross. I'm taking it from you and I'm taking it to Calvary. And when I get done with Calvary you'll never be tormented by sickness and disease again. We've allowed the devil to diminish the truth of the power of the cross and Christians all over this world are believing that sickness is the will of God. Look at that picture and tell me it's God's will for you to bear sickness in your body. I tell you there's a risen Lord that declared you are to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the devil is the master of tormenting people with the pain of their path and the voice of the past that seeks to pull you into the grave with him. The devil knows he's going to hell. It's sealed, it's set, he knows it. And his goal is to pull everybody he can with him into hell. 
That's what He works for. He wants you doubting God. He wants you giving up in unbelief. He wants you caving into your fear. And He wants to pull you into hell with Him. You have to remember, I remember the cross. I remember my God loved me and He died for me. I remember when I was rejecting Him. He was loving me. I remember He was saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I remember all those years I was running from God. He was interceding saying, Father, forgive Him. He doesn't know. And if you just come to himself I'll use him for my glory come on God has a plan for your life don't let the devil lie to you think about it the cross is God's love sign to the world people say God is love it is and that's what his love looks like his love looks like this it's bloody sacrificial love it's the love that paid the ultimate price for you to live your life completely free if you're here today and Jesus Christ isn't your Lord and Savior that's how much God loves you that's how much God loves you God so loved the world he gave his only son he gave his son to be everything we read in Isaiah to be smitten to be beaten to be despised to hung openly naked fully ashamed that you could be forgiven. Oh my gosh. The cross is God's love sign to the world. It is the declaration of the death of death. Through his victory and vicarious suffering on the cross, on our behalf, we can bury the pain of our past in his empty tomb and roll the stone back over the devil and his life. Hear me this morning. On Resurrection Sunday, Jesus walked out of that tomb and he left an empty tomb behind me. The invitation to God is you enter into new life in Christ and put your old man in that empty tomb and let God roll the stone over it and leave that old man in that grave and never let the devil resurrect your old man and bring him up against your life. If any man be in Christ... He is born again. He is made alive in God. He is a new creature and his transgressions are forgiven. Somebody say amen. Bury that in that grave. The worship team comes back. In John 3, Jesus declares from Numbers chapter 21, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Moses lifted up the brazen serpent. Jesus was lifted up on the cross for you and I. And as he was raised up on that cross, it declared the same healing power and redemption over all of humanity. My question to you today is, what do you need nailed to the cross today? And what needs to be buried in his tomb? What lie have you let the devil speak into your life? What is the hindrance that is holding you back? What do you need that exodus from? All of us are at different places, have different circumstances in our life. But God will give you an exodus if you'll say, God, I'll let you bury that. I'll put that in that tomb and I will leave it there. I will refuse to allow the devil to bring that back up against me. Because I'll look to the cross and I'll know that you paid the price. Not for me to be condemned, but for me to be free. Amen. And to live that way. Think about it. Many times it's just fear that we need. See, the moment you're born again, look at this. You're made new. That picture depicts a woman caught in adultery, about to be stoned by the religious people of her day. And yet Jesus said, let him that was out sin cast the first stone. And then when they left, he said, hey, 
Woman, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. And, and, he, and he showed her love. He showed her forgiveness. And he gave her redemption. And she went and, 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 and was set free from her past. Amen? He didn't hold that over. It wasn't shadowing over her. And the moment you're born again, you're new in Christ. You're not called to carry that. You're no longer defined by your past. You're born again, made alive. The old has passed away. All things are made new. You're now living for and pressing forward towards the hope and the future that the Father has prepared for you in Christ. Think about it. Your pain and your failure from your past has the... What pain and failure from your past has the enemy been using against you to blind the eyes of your heart to the love of God? I want to declare to you that should all end today. If you're here today and the devil's been using anything from your past, if you're born again, you've accepted Christ. If he's using anything from your past, that should end today. You need to leave that right here. You need to put that. I wish I could have made a tomb in a little stone. We'd have written stuff and thrown it in there. Amen. Maybe next week we'll do that. Who knows? But we'll just make, but, but if you could see that by faith today, no, I'm putting that in that tomb. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live in death. I'm called to walk in life. Amen. And many times, it's those areas of that stuff. It's thing. Think about it. What needs to be resurrected in your life? Many times we just accept it. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. She had a condition in her body for 12 years. If you deal with something chronically for 12 years and you spend all your money on the doctors that said and she did not get better, she grew worse. I mean, no, that can be discouraging. And you can just give up and say, well, I guess this is just my lot in life. But not according to the cross. You could go, oh, wait a minute, I was born blind. I guess I'll just be blind all my life, but not according to the cross. You can say, well, you know what? I'm 38 years old and I've been lame in my feet and I just sit here and beg. I guess I'll just be a beggar all my life, but not according to the cross. Why? Because the cross declared it is finished and that all your debt has been paid in full and that includes healing, that includes deliverance, that includes provision, that includes victory over everything in your life is yours in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. See, the cross is God's healing balm for the heart of humanity. And the Spirit is the comforter and the friend that everyone needs in their lives today. Because He is the one who leads us victorially in our exodus from the past. Would you bow your heads with me today? Maybe you're here today and you need an exodus out of fear. Amen. Now listen, I'm saying this and I'm not talking against being, uh, being responsible and, and being having sanitation in your life and doing that. But my God, we live in so much fear. We think if somebody coughs, we're going to get what they got. We think, well, oh, so I, I can't do this. Oh, don't come over. I, I'm sick. I don't want you to catch it. I said, I don't have faith to catch it. I have faith to come over and pray for you to get rid of it. See, we, we've entered into fear of catching everything, of getting everything instead of faith. And we need to remember it's been paid in full. The power of the cross, the redeeming power of the cross. I don't have to live in fear of sickness and disease. I don't have to live in fear of anything. When they said, oh, you have hepatitis C. I said, well, that's wonderful. This too shall pass. I've already been. You're too late. You're too late to the parade. I've already been through all those things. I've already been through sickness and disease. Man, I survived bubonic plague. John, in the middle, I got bit. I had bubonic plague. I had the black death. I'm still here. 
Amen. God is a God of healing and deliverance. You don't have to be in, well, I would go overseas. I would go to Haiti, but I hear they have disease there. I would go to Liberia, but I hear they have Ebola there. Come on, is your God bigger than Ebola? Is He bigger than sickness and disease? Is He bigger than the flu? Is He bigger than your neighbor's cough? Tell me you come to church, somebody cough next to you, you move to the other side of the sanctuary. Because you have more faith to get his cold than to pray for his healing. Whoa! An exodus out of fear. An exodus out of limitation. An exodus out of just being held by your path. I'm going to ask Michael, we're going to sing. And this is the altar call this morning. If you want prayer, need prayer, or just need to find a place of prayer at this altar to kneel at the cross, say, Lord, I'm leaving my fear at the cross today. I'm leaving my excuses at the cross today. I'm putting my path in your empty tomb, and I'm going to allow you to roll the stone over. Today, Jesus, I'm leaving here with an anointing for an exodus upon my life. I'm not going to live shackled by my path. I'm believing in the redeeming power of the cross. While they begin to sing, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking, I'm asking you to move with the spirit of Exodus. Come on, move out of bondage. Move into the freedom that God has for you. As they begin to sing, you move to this altar. We'll pray for you. You can find a place of prayer. But let God give you an Exodus moment today. Tap into the redeeming power of the cross. And do not forget that it is finished. Amen. Come on, Michael, lead us.